In this episode of the Stretch Goals Podcast, Scott and I are going to be talking about how to sell your business. This is the Stretch Goals Podcast, where each week we'll share insights and lessons earned based on our experiences as entrepreneurs. We'll challenge you to create ambitious goals as you start and grow your business. I'm your host, Robert Dickerson. And I'm Scott Davis. So Scott, this week we're going to talk about how to sell your business. We're going to share some of our own thoughts since we've we've both sold businesses. One thing we were just chatting about was, I guess maybe the first part is really how to find, go out and find a buyer and how to start the process. Yeah, exactly. That's the question that I think a lot of people ask themselves when they're either tired of running their business or like, you know what, now's the time to sell. And it's not like you put a for sale sign up in your front yard and, and people drive by all the time. Like you have to know where to go. So I was curious, how did you go about uh, you know selling selling your business? We actually uh, the first the first business I had Geowake that we sold, we actually sold it to an existing customer. So that's oh. one area that you can take a look at. A lot of times you already have relationships with your customers that are using it. Maybe they want to incorporate your whole product into what they're doing, or they see the value. And they want to use it, so that's a great way that you can you can reach out to existing customers, existing contacts to see, you know, if they're interested in uh, purchasing your business. Now, did you did you go to them and say, "Hey, we're shutting this thing down, and if you want to continue, you need to buy it," or was it like, "Hey, is there you know any interest in buying this?" I mean, how did how did that conversation go? Yeah, I mean, it was more of a, a feeler conversation to say, "Hey, we're you know, is this something you'd be interested in purchasing?" You know. The purchaser of our site, marinas.com, actually had relationships with a bunch of marinas. And so not only were we on their site, but we were in other smaller marinas that actually were their customers as well. So it made sense for them to acquire us because they had all those customers under themselves already using a different product, right? So this just kind of expanded upon the products they were able to offer to all their customers. So I think it's... It's kind of like a feeler conversation to see if they're interested in first. We wanted to we wanted to move away from the business, but that's not something that we went and started talking to them about immediately saying, hey, we just want to throw this away. Do you want it kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, try to really bring the value and talk about, you know, what we were doing, what our vision was, and try to sell it to them that way. Yeah, I think my my situation was a little bit different. I had a good customer base, and, you know, I just wasn't enjoying uh, what I was doing, the fun wasn't there for me anymore. I wanted to keep ma- building apps, but I didn't want to do it uh, under the confines that I was having to do it under. So I actually put up a notice on the front page that said, we're not accepting any new customers. And existing customers would, would continue to be maintained um, you know, without any issues. And that started getting questions. Well, what's going on? What's going on? And yeah, again, you know, I was committed to keeping everybody running, but I wasn't taking new offers. And what was great about it, <clears throat> from a timing perspective, was I did it right before a trade show that I was going to attend in the sports industry. And so there was lots of people who had planned on coming to talk to me at the trade show who saw the notice and was like, wait, wait, what's going on? So long story short, I had, a, I had several companies and people reach out to me with serious interest in buying my company and through the negotiation process, which we can talk about next, you know, you whittle down who's serious or who's got the best offer for you and you can pick and choose. Ultimately, I ended up selling to somebody, a friend of mine had seen my notice on the website and had asked me, you know, why I was, why, what, what was going on and if I was trying to sell or, and he referred me to the ultimate buyer of my company. 
Yeah, I think a lot of times um, people get tired of working in, working in their business and they want to move on to something else. I mean, that's a legitimate reason. I mean, that's that was my reason as well as I, I kind of got tired of working on it. I wanted to get some value out of it. I'd put a lot of time, a number of years, just as you had in your business and uh, wanted to get that out of it. And so... I didn't want to throw it away because I'd put so much in it, but yeah, it, it is a process to find people. Um, another angle you can go out is there's, there's brokers out there for in the software space. There's FE international, which is a broker that you can reach out to. And so they have a network of buyers, existing buyers. And, um, so they, what's, the, what's that website? I think it's FE international.com. We'll, we'll link it up on in the show notes. But they, but they basically have a network of buyers that are interested in different spaces. And a lot of these buyers are interested not in coming up and, and kind of starting the business, but they're interested in growing the business and taking it to that next level. And so those, you know, if that's something you're, you're, you're good at developing businesses or you're just starting out business and you want some help to take it to the next level, that could be another area to take a look at. They take a percentage of the, of the sale. Sure. I think it's normally like 10 to 15%, something like that, depending on the sale size. So just something to think about if you decide to go that route. Yeah, that's a good point. And the reason I asked is because I actually know somebody right now who's trying to sell uh, their startup and it's not a huge startup. It does, you know, six or seven thousand monthly recurring revenue right now, which is, you know, enough. It, it has a good customer base, so there could be somebody looking to scale it or acquire it and consume it uh, and do something with it. So, but it's it's good. We'll like Rob said, we'll link it up in the podcast and on YouTube. But you know, one thing that you said was interesting to me was using existing customers and approaching them, and I especially like that idea from a customers who may be licensing your product. When I started to think about selling my business, I had a lot of people asking me if they could license my IP, and really that was when I started to think about selling. I thought about going to them first because the, they had already expressed interest in wanting to buy my software. But they wanted to buy and own it versus licensing it, which is, yeah, it's under my terms, but you can use it. So I reached out to them, and uh, they had extreme interest as well. So that's a, that's a, you know similar to what you were doing. You, you went to an existing customer. A licensing customer is the same, except they probably have a little bit more inclination to become a purchaser of your company if it's a good fit. Yeah, I think, and this discussion too is not something that you want to think about just when you're selling your business. I feel like you need to think about it maybe even from the start when you're building your business about you know what what your strategy is. Like, how long is this a, a lifelong business you wanna you wanna be involved with? Is this a short term business you want to grow it to a certain point and sell it? You really need to be thinking about that in terms of your strategy of how you're building your business from the start. And with MapOut, you know, that's something I've been thinking a lot about because, you know, I've been talking to you about that too, is that we license our technology, the use of our technology to different companies. And I've also had, I've also had interest of people wanting to basically kind of purchase it or create IP rights to use the platform, which is not something I really want to go down right now because we're used on different customers and it just gets it gets really sticky and hairy when you start getting into legal IP issues and IP sharing and co-use and stuff like that. So you really need to think about, you know, where you're going to go. And with MapOut, that is an area that I've been thinking about eventually trying to sell it is that these customers that I have relationships with, they can start seeing the value of what we're doing. And by purchasing the platform, they can now have ownership of it and control of it and and really grow it in the way that they want to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think it's a great, a great approach. It just depends on what industry you're in, right? And how to do that. And you know, the other thing like you, you touched on is like you have to think about 
what acquisition could look like for your company in the future. You, you know, when you're starting a business, you, you know in your head, usually early on, if you're creating an idea to sell it in the short term, or if it's going to be something you work on for a while and maybe eventually sell if the opportunity presents itself. And then sometimes opportunities just come up. You know, I was on a train to DC uh, one time talking to a guy who he was comfortable. He, he built this business himself and somebody one day said, hey, you know, you interested in selling? And he was like, no. And they were like, well, let me make you an offer anyway. And it was an offer he couldn't refuse. He had, he had no intention of, of selling his company, didn't want to. Now he's retired, you know, so it, it just depends. Like sometimes you may not want to sell, but if something comes up and you're like, you know what? I can't pass this up. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think another point I want to make too is that if you're under the impression that you're just going to sell your business and walk away, <laughs> you need to uh, get that out of your mind. I mean, most acquirers are going to want you to, to come on and stay on yeah. with the business to help that transition process. And so that's something you really need to think about is that you're not just going to sell it and walk away and be done, you know, once you get the money. And there, you know, there's earnouts and other things that they, that come involved with that. But with GeoWeek, which I sold, I was involved with the business for a number of years after that. Um, a lot of it was, you know, I basically was okay with doing it, right? And so I, I worked beyond what I had to. But, you know, it's just something you need to think about. I mean, I think you had a similar situation, right? I did, yeah. I was contractually required to stay on for at least six months and help the transition and you know, certain incentives for staying for a different period of time, I think two years. One thing to consider too is uh, if, if you look at the previous episode we recorded on the podcast, you know, how to protect yourself and your business, we talk about what happens if you were to sell your company and that non-compete after that time. You know, so I, I, I sold my sports-related business and I couldn't compete in the sports industry uh, for two years. So, you know, and I'm sure you had something similar. You couldn't go out and create a new GeoWake competitor. <laughs> so think about those things. You know, if, if you've got an idea, let's say you sell your retail business and you want to create another retail business idea, you might want to make sure that that's written up explicitly when you're going to sell. Or you might want to think, like, am I actually going to be able to do this new idea because of the competition in the space? So those are things to ask yourself. Like, Don't just be like, eh, I'm going to sell it. And don't think that there's not any repercussions that will prevent you from doing your next idea. Sometimes legally there are. And, and remember as well that people aren't just buying your business as an entity, they're buying the yeah. team too. And that's really, that's really important, right? Because they, they want that intellectual property that you have in your head of how you built the business, the ideas that you had, like how you're going to grow it, how you're going to scale it. So they might provide you know, additional resources, additional money to help you achieve that vision that you had in your, in your head, but maybe you couldn't yeah. get to, right? And, and with those resources, you could really, really grow the business maybe in areas that you didn't think you could before because you were limited, say, in cash or in development time or, you know, whatever it, may, it might be. So that's something to think about as well, that they're interested in the team. And it's something that you need to show to potential buyers too, that you have a really strong team and and why you've been able to grow this business and how you can help them once they've acquired. Because if you think about yourself, if you're buying a business, you know, you're going to want to make sure that it's successful once you make the purchase and it, you know, it just doesn't fall off the wagon type thing. <laughs> so yeah. you know, they're, they're in the same mindset as how can we continue to make this successful? How can we grow it? Yeah. You know, playing devil's advocate, though, they could also be the flip side. You know, maybe you sell your company and the goal for what you're your product was is no longer the same as what the the acquiring company has and you know if it's not clear during the purchase 
of the company and what expectations will happen with you, you know, after the sale, then you could be a little a little hard to deal with. Like so so when you're when you're talking about selling and they're talking about, you know, an aqua hire scenario or you have to stay on for a certain amount of time to help them transition, make sure that you're not going to be uncomfortable with that scenario. And and if so, maybe find a find a different buyer. Yeah, I mean, their vision is really important, I think, in in kind of the the scheme of things. It's the sales not always about the money. It's, you know, I mean, you could not care about your business, but most people do. They have a vested interest. They want to see it being successful. They have, you know, customers and employees and team members that, you know, they care about. And so it's kind of, you want to make sure that it it moves on. And and you're very right is that a lot of times people even purchase businesses to kill the competitor, right? And they want to kind of absorb that, that team and, and kill the competitor and, and it helps them. So you know, there's a bunch of different reasons that people might purchase a business, and you just need to make sure throughout your due diligence process you figure that out what their reasons are. Well, well, let's look at like a larger company acquiring a smaller one, like Google and Apple and all these guys. They do it all the time. They buy like Google bought Waze, right? But Google kept Waze running, which is not typical in the tech space. Typically, what happens is Google would buy Waze, Google would turn off Waze and just take the one or two pieces that they really wanted, probably the crowdsourced information, and bring it into Google Maps. They didn't do that for that particular app, which I find you know kind of interesting. But that's typically what happens, right? Somebody who has got a larger customer base buys some of their competition. They take out one or two pieces that they don't have. They shut down the previous company and the previous product, and they now make it part of what they what they have. And sometimes that's not successful. Sometimes you can never quite take that and make it work within the existing product, and that's fine. But that's something to to think about. Like you may be taking, you may have an app that has a hundred features and they might be really buying you just for one or two. And then you're going to take that and put that into their app as part of your transition process. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of times too, now with, you know, if we talk about artificial, like AI and machine learning, there's, you know, fewer and fewer people that are experts in those fields. And so yeah. a lot of companies are being acquired just to get those teams to internally work on stuff. Right. So they might be buying the company and the product just to, to bring on those teams to work on other yeah. things. So that you know, that's something to think about also. I'm gonna use AI and deep learning to acquire companies and remove the need for the people who started them and integrate it with my product myself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about negotiations because sure. I think um, you know, after you've kind of found an acquirer, you start the, that negotiation process. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, that was a really that was a really stressful time to go through all that, um, especially if you haven't done it before. I'd recommend you have a broker, or an attorney, or something, someone that's yeah. gone through the process because there's a whole lot of paperwork that you have to fill out. And it's really nice to have someone when you're discussing. Um, you know, different things about the negotiation that you can go to and ask questions to that's kind of on your side. Sure. I remember you reaching out to me when you were going through the sale, like, hey, what did you do? And like, you know, is there somebody I can talk to? I, I didn't have, you know, I don't think I had a lot of great information for you, but, uh, you know, at least the understanding was there, you know. Uh, I knew what position you were in and and how to go about it. But I, I think you I, uh, you gave me the attorney that I used actually. <laughs> I, I I did. I know I did that. I did something good. That uh, was my good deed for the year. But uh, I think um, I I remember being at dinner with my family, more or less reasonably certain who I was going to sell 
my business too. And I got a phone call, a last minute, like 11th hour phone call from another person who had expressed interest but wasn't really serious about it. And they made, you know, another offer to me at the last minute that I had to heavily consider. And I didn't sleep that night because, you know, one one offer was very much in favor of me getting lots of cash. <laughs> and the other one was, you know, not as much money, but my my co-founder and some other people on my staff would be taken care of as well. So I had to weigh that. And, you know, the, the, the selfish party is like, yeah, well, I just want all the money, so just give it to me. But the reality is I went with the other option, which was less money for me, but it made everybody who was a part of the process, you know, receive a little bit of, bit, bit of benefit from that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's easy to say now which way you choose, but I think in the moment, like you said, it's, it's a it's lot tough. more difficult. It, weigh, it weighs on you, those decisions. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, is, like, don't be afraid to ask for something during the negotiation process. You, you will Typically what happens is this. Somebody presents a legal term sheet, and if you don't like something, you go, can we scratch this one and add this bullet point? And what's going to happen is they're most likely not going to be offended by whatever you're asking for, and then take out their contract altogether, usually what happens is they'll go, worst case, they'll go, no, we're not going to give you a football helmet filled with college cheese as part of this deal. We are going to instead, uh, you know, keep the offer as is. Or they'll go, okay, that's fine, but they'll rework it. So it's just a process. It's like buying a house, right? Or, or even buying a car to an extent. Like, you know, it's just multiple rounds. It's here's our offer and you go, okay, but what about this? And either they'll say, no, the offer stands, or okay, we've modified it, you know, to some agreeable terms. Very rarely do people walk away because of something you've asked for. Now, if you do say, "Unless you do this, I'm I'm not accepting," then they might walk away. So just be careful how you word it. But it's it's a negotiation. It's a little dance. Yeah, I found too that um, you know in person conversations or even over the phone were really really important during the process. I mean, it's. With any negotiation, it's really about that communication. It's hard to do something like that over email where you're sending stuff back and forth. I mean, we almost had our deal fall apart because we started getting the lawyers involved and the other side thought we were start we were going to try to take advantage of them with these legal agreements. I mean, there's a lot of agreements and so, you know, a lot of legalese and it can it can become overwhelming, you know, is someone trying to put something over on you in this in these huge legal documents, right, that you're going to it's going to hurt you in the long run, right? Sure. And so, you know, I think really getting on the phone and talking it out and say, hey, this is this is what we're trying to do here. This is what we've agreed on. You know, this is what we're trying to do. We're not trying to pull the, you know, the wool over your eyes or something or get or slip something past you. I mean, really, these agreements are in place to protect both of us in the long run, right? Because a lot of times you'll get paid out over, like we got paid out over a couple of years. So it wasn't just huge one huge lump sum payment, right? And so it was a couple of year payment. So we want to make sure that, we received all the payments, right? And we want to make sure that those legal documents were in order so that we could do that. And so I think just having those one-on-one conversations and really communicating, if you can face-to-face what you're trying to accomplish, I think that's really important during the process. 
Sure. And, you know, I think uh, don't be afraid to reach out to people who you know in the industry and ask for advice on the negotiation terms. I reached out to people who had, you know, who knew my business but didn't really know the financial details and uh, but but who knew me and, and I knew them really well. And I, I reached out and said, hey, you know, here's what's on the table and just ask for some advice. And, you know, you'll get different opinions. And, and, and it's not to get an answer so that you can make a decision is to get more information from people who have insights that you haven't thought about. So I reached out to you know five or six people and said, here's here's the the the, the options in front of me. I didn't say which one would you choose. I just said, let, let me hear your feedback. And you got different pieces uh, from different people. And that really helped me. And you know, I, I remember one time uh, during those conversations, somebody said to me, you know, sometimes life just gives you a little nudge. And that to me was was the kick in the pants that I needed to sell the company because I was kind of going back and forth on do I really want to sell it well let me just make some changes and it'll be fun again and I can scale it but that that statement sometimes life just gives you a little nudge was like you know what you're right I need to sell this I need to move on I need to do something else and so don't be afraid to reach out to people and even maybe people that you don't know well but you're an acquaintance and they know who you are in the business world you know make that connection ask for some tips yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. I mean, that's something I did as well. And I think sometimes it can be hard to make those decisions, but I think once you make the decision to sell, you should, you know, you should move forward with it and try to try to get it done. And selling is not something that happens overnight either. Um yeah. it's 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 a process, <laughs> you know. I think our sale took a couple months to get get everything in place. Yeah. Um and then a couple years after that before we, you know, saw the money from the deal all come through. So you know, it's it's a long-term thing you have to think about. So you need to kind of plan that out, you know, and, and that doesn't really include even finding the buyer, right? So there's time in, in front to even find the buyer and then go through the process of the sale and all that. So it's a, it's a process, something you need to think about. But, um, you know, hopefully this episode was helpful in giving you some ideas and kind of help you in those negotiations uh, when you're trying to sell your business. Absolutely. And don't don't be afraid to reach out to us for advice. You know, reach out to us on social media, email, on the website, YouTube, whatever. And, you know, we'd be happy to give you an opinion on your situation and, you know, maybe send you some links or put you in touch with some people that we know to give you some advice. Um, thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stretch Goals podcast. You can access the show notes for this episode and listen to other episodes by heading over to stretchgoals.fm.